words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. you for today we bless your name we worship you thank you for the assembly of your people thank you for inviting us into a holy company of the Sanhedrin thank you for bringing us into the presence of our father that we belong to you in all generation in every space where man live that it is meet for men to call upon you and lift up holy hands with our wrath without doubt. <laughs> Thank you, Lord God, for that which you walk on our inside as we're pressing into you. Thank you for that which you're bringing about in this time. Thank you that as darkness fills the world, so also your light shines brightly. You placed us here and given us the ministry and the word of reconciliation that through us might be made known the very life of God and the very grace of our God. So we yield ourselves to you and we ask you to download heavenly life into us. Download your grace, your mind, your character into us. Download your spirit, the outflow of your word into our hearts today. We yield ourselves to you and we bless you, O Lord our God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, But as it is written, I has not seen, ear, nor ear heard, nor hath entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things. There are many things the church teaches how to make a life of impact, how to be a good leader, how to survive in a post-COVID world, how to, how to thrive in difficult times, how to you know, expand, how to start new things. Even the church has jumped on the societal bandwagon to teach all these principles. Unless not make any mistake is important to survive but the most important thing is something bigger than that is beyond our understanding this is what God has prepared for man what God has prepared for man is the most important thing that has never been seen it is better than gold and silver and diamond it is it's beyond sight, is beyond hearing, is beyond imagination. This astonishing treasure is the one that you can give to someone who is already rich in the earth. Because sometimes the message we preach sounds like if you get more money, if you get more established, then you'll be fine in the world. And we have realized in this last season that this is not true. 
no matter the amount of money you have, COVID could take you down. No matter the amount of security you have, your business could be done in a flash. So we're realizing more and more that the things we built our securities around are not. So what is that treasure? What is that thing that never, never stops giving value? What is that diamond that you will find and, and give away everything? What is that thing that men are looking for? So this scripture tells us that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has he entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful statement. But then he says something next in verse 10. But God reveals these things to us through his spirit. For in the spirit, the deep mind of God is searched out in the spirit. The deep articulation of the plan and the purpose of God is laid out in the spirit. It's a release of the things that God has prepared for man. Do you know what the tragedy really is? The tragedy is that man created in the image and the likeness of God fell. That man fell. This is the real problem. This is the distraction that we are focused on, ever, on everything else apart from that which we're supposed to focus on. So Malachi Chapter 1 verse 7 says, Ever since the days of your ancestors, you've scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Return to me and I will return to you. So we've we put the cart before the horse. We put survival before the most important thing. We put survival on earth, survival for our bodies, survival for our families, above survival of our spirits. So people are poor in so poor in this life because everything seems to be well arranged, but their spirit man remains hungry and broken, and their hearts remain thirsty for truth for the living water, for that which can satisfy. And this is the tragedy that man born in the image and likeness of God stays without the Spirit of God. So God now begins to raise a holy decree that says, return to me, turn back to me. You've wandered far away enough. Come back to me and I will come back to you. Man has never been denied his free will. God, God's love means that God will allow you to choose to love him or not. People argue that God has to force man to be saved. If God knows that this is the reason and this is the problem that all men have, why doesn't God just force everybody to be saved? He doesn't do that. God never forces you to do anything. Do you know, God doesn't even force bad men to start being good. God doesn't even force anyone to do anything at all. Because love means that you must have a choice. If someone loves you and you have no choice, then it's not love at all. So we must elect. We must choose. We must decide to love God back. 
And that is why God commands us to what? Repent. Repent simply means turn back to me. Repent simply means turn back to me. Return. You're going, but I ask you to return back to me. And this is your own volition. You can choose. You can elect to reject this command of God, or you can decide that you have accepted this command of God. Man can choose. This is free will. God has always had a plan, even though man had fallen. So the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 7, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith and, and raised up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kingdom through us, towards us through Jesus Christ. Now, let me read verse 7 again. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness to, towards us through Jesus Christ. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 to 7. God wants all his lost children to return home. God wants all his wandering children back. You must know someone who has a divine purpose of God. Scan Pause for a moment. Scan through your friends. Think who your friends are. You must know someone who needs to return. And in case this message is not for you, you can tell who it is for. Send it to someone and say to them, return to your God. Return to your God. You must know someone who from a tender age had the gift of dreams and visions and they could tell spiritual things. You must know someone who used to be someone who was open to God, but the ways of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choked them. You must know someone in your world who has lost their pathway, and this is for them. This invitation goes out today. Return to God, and he will return to you. We recall the account of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 11 who ran away from his father and gave away everything, took his inheritance and squandered it with harlots. You must remember that story of that boy and how he wandered far away from home and he fell off the ladder of the food chain. He fell all the way to the level of animals such as pigs and he was eating food meant for pigs. He was so far away from God's plan that God the Father was waiting for him. God was not saying my son is so stupid. God was not saying my son is so lost. God was not restating the obvious. God was not angry that God was not happy that his son was out there but he wasn't so angry that his anger refused made him to reject his son who was so lost, who didn't know himself, who didn't know what he wanted. And God was waiting every day for his son to come back home. That's a mark of God once again. Remember that the mark of God is that the mark of God is that 
I imagine that the mark of God is that he's waiting. The father actually didn't go looking for this boy. He had to make up his mind. Do you know, God is waiting for you to make up your mind. The day he returned, his father threw a party. Do you know, the Bible tells us about the time when heaven throws a party is when someone who is lost comes back home. When someone who is lost comes back home, heaven throws a party. We throw a party when we have hammered, when we have money, when we've made millions. We throw a party when we have a new job. When you have a new car that is so good, people say, we go wash our more. You know, when you have something precious, but the Bible says the whole of heaven throws a party when someone who is lost comes back to God. So the church needs to change its scale of value. The church needs to change what is more important to us. We need to change from our leadership seminars. We need to change from our thriving seminars. We need to change from everything we'll set our focus on. And we need to shift it back because what heaven rejoices over must be what we rejoice over. What God rejoices over must be what you rejoice over. The whole of heaven rejoices when a man who is lost turns, when a father who is of drunkenness turns back when a mother who is lost turns back the whole world the whole of heaven begins to rejoice for a change of heart the biggest miracle you will see is for your heart to turn and if you're listening to me and your voice and your heart has gone cold and you're far away from God, then God is speaking to you like he spoke to the prodigal son return to me change your hearts change your ways come back to the source come back to the life that i have for you eyes have not seen ears have not heard neither has he entered the mind of man the things that are prepared for those who love me is beyond imagination beyond your thoughts, the incredible riches, the unfathomable treasure of those who are in sync with God. The Bible records that Jesus saw a rich young ruler and he said to him, oh, and the rich young ruler was asking him, how can I eat, inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, keep all the commandments. The man said, oh, I've always been keeping the commandments. Then the Bible says, Jesus looked upon him and loved him and said to him, Go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. That means there is something we can give to rich people. Do you know, sometimes the Christianity we preach looks like something that if we, if we give it to rich people, they won't want it. Oh, come to Jesus and he will solve your problem. Oh, come to Jesus and everything will be okay. Oh, come to Jesus and he will give you peace of mind. It's bigger than that. 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 It's much more than that. We, do you know there's something you can give to a Dangote today? There's something you can give to a Bill Gates today, which he does not have, which is based on the gospel. It is the fact that man is lost. No matter the amount of billions he has, he is still lost. 
no matter the amount of money a man has, he is still lost. No matter the amount of intelligence a man has, he is still lost. No matter the level of aspiration, whether he be a movie star or a superstar or a soccer star, can I tell you something? He is still lost. All your relatives that don't know God are still lost. Every man who doesn't know God is still lost. When we started Ecclesia Hills Church about two years ago, there's a friend of mine who came to church. I won't call his name because some of you in this family still remember him. And the week before, I was telling him, his wife said to me, my husband is always getting drunk. And I said to him, like your, your, husband, your wife is just pregnant, expecting. Do you know that the devil is waiting for you? Do you know that the devil is waiting for you? And he came to church the next Sunday. He came to church the next Sunday with his wife by his side. In one week's time, I got a call from his wife at 4 a.m. They can't find him. Three days later, his body was found. He had crashed his car and entered into endless eternity. He was drunk that night. And my heart broke. Was it that my message of transformation was not enough? Was it that I didn't put my best feet forward as a pastor? Was it that I didn't remember everything I was supposed to do? So this message of return is not only for unbelievers, it's for us who know that people can enter into a certain eternity in hell except they turn back from the trajectory of their walk. Now this guy is gone forever. I don't know where he is gone. I cannot say that he went to heaven. And do you know my heart broke that I had an opportunity to meet this guy and to share with him and since that day, I made a pledge to myself that if this is the last time I preach, I'm going to rework everything. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to do everything so that I can make everyone in my world return to God. Can I tell you something? The people in your world have very little opportunity. Today, anyone can die. Today, anyone can be gone in a flash. I want to say something to you. Like unto you is the responsibility to save men from hell. Speak it in your world. Tell the world to return to the Father. Tell the world to return to God. Tell the world to return to the will of the Father. Tell the people in your world. This is a time to harvest the souls of men. This is the time of the return. This is the time that God has been waiting for. And right now the harvest is ready. And God invites every believer to put in the sickle and to draw in the sons who must be appointed for righteousness because you know this deep treasure in God. You give what you know because you know that God has deep, immense treasure for everyone who turns back to Him. So I speak to you, return to God. I know today everyone calls sin entanglement. Adultery is called entanglement. We have fancy names for sins like this is my weaknesses. People call anger their weakness. 
I know everyone tries to make sin to make sense. So they excuse their misdemeanors and, and, and tell people why people must forgive them. This is how I am. You have to just accept me. People say all this kind of rubbish. God doesn't say that. God said, return to me and I will return to you. Stop in that track of what you're doing. Do you know that do you know if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 to 9. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say amen. Pastor, you do not know what I'm going through. Some people tell me. Pastor, you don't know what it means like to have anger problem. Pastor, you are always focusing on sin. You don't have mercy on the sinner. No. On the other hand, I do not. I would tell you that I focus on redemption. But if you don't know what you need to be redeemed from, you cannot be redeemed. If you don't know what slides you, you cannot stop it. If you don't know what tempts you, you cannot catch the wiles of the devil. I am here not just to make sin, not make you aware of sin. I'm here to make you aware of redemption. I'm here to make you aware of the love of the Father, the kind that God has that makes us all to want to return. Incredible riches because the treasure of his goodness unthinkable wealth unimaginable fortune bigger than gold better than silver i know how sin subtly how sin subtly creates into the best and the brightest many prophets have been deceived by sin many men of god have been have their hair shown Time will tell, fail me to tell you about men of God who have fallen. Do you understand? Men of God who stood. Men such as Jim Baker who fell into financial ruin. Men such as Jimmy Swaggart who used to fill stadiums who fell into sexual sin. Men all over the world. Men here in Nigeria. Men in the nations. Men in the UK. Men across Europe. Men across the Scandinavia. Men across South Africa. Men across the continent of Africa. Men in America. Men in Canada. Men all over the world. Human beings in Russia. People everywhere fall because of sin. Sin is a minus. Sin will always steal from you. So God says, don't indulge in the life of sin. Don't open your heart to the life of sin. Sin will steal from you. Do you know? Do you know? Sin is a serpent. You are not supposed to pet it. Do you know how many of us pet sin in our lives? You pet, you pet your bad behavior. You pet your anger. You pet your toxic personality. You pet it. You pet it. You say this, how I am. No, I'm just emotional. No, you are out of control. You are out of sync with the word of God. And God's word comes to you today and say, turn your back to the world and turn towards me. And I will turn towards you. In fact, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. How many of you guys know that the deeper something is as a sickness inside you, 
the deeper the surgery. The deeper something is on the inside of you, the deeper the surgery. The deeper something is on the inside of you, the deeper the surgery. The ravages of sin. God gave me this quote yesterday night. Listen to this. The ravages of sin thrive in embellishment, denial, coddling, and excuses. Sin works best when people call it good names, when people deny it, when people embellish it, when people cuddle sin, sin works best at those times. Sin works best when we make it a pet that we don't want to tame. Sin is a dragon. As you feed it, it becomes so big. You feed it, it becomes bigger. You feed it, it becomes bigger. One day, sin will be a dragon spitting fire on you and consuming you who is tolerating it. Sin is a snake. Don't pet it. Cut it off. Cut off his head. Sin is a snake. It's a serpent. Don't pet it. A serpent is never a pet. Shake that snake into the fire. Tell that, tell that to someone. Say that to someone again. Shake that snake into the fire. God said something to me yesterday. Sin thrives when people pet it. Sin thrives when people nourish it. So what God is offering today is redemption. What God is speaking about today is love. I love you so much. I don't want you to be a victim of carnality. I love you so much. I don't want you to be a victim of the world. I love you so much. I don't want you to be a victim of your broken humanity. I love you so much. I don't want you to be a victim of the foolishness of man. My love for you makes me want to stop you in your tracks from what you're doing wrong. And this is how I show my love. Redemption. I am waiting to redeem you. I am waiting to reconcile you. I am waiting to bring you back to the, all the places you couldn't go by yourself. I am waiting to offer you something bigger than what you've ever known. The Father is waiting. He says, do you know the treasure? Do you know what I have in store for you? And that's why we open today by reading that place where he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has he entered the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him we all carry the injury of sin we all carry the curse of unholiness we all carry the brokenness of the years that sin stole from us so we must have an aggressiveness in our spirit when we see sin we must have a bullish tendency to crush the nature of sin you must struggle against sin. You must fight against sin. The Bible says no one has struggled to the point of shedding blood, fighting against sin. The war against sin is a fight. The war against sin is what? It's a fight. 
The war against sin is a fight. Sin is always nestling at the door. You know, God said to Cain, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, therefore, sin, offense is waiting to master you. Offense is a sin as well. And it's crouching at the door. Offense is the precursor before you fall into hate. Offense is the precursor before you fall into animosity. And this thing is everywhere. Offense is available. But don't take it. Don't take sin. Sin is a minus. It will never add anything to you. God was walking through Jesus Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be useless if he doesn't save man from sin. The number one thing that Jesus died for was to pay for our sin. Do you think in the way that we're living, falling into sin today, coming out of sin tomorrow, that this is why Jesus died? Christians, can I ask you, do you think that falling into sin today and coming out of sin tomorrow is why Jesus died. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ will not be enough except he's able to break the power of sin. So if you have a sinful habit, being a believer, realize this. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a waste except it knocks off the power of sin inside of you. And I want to tell you, the blood is enough. The blood is enough. There is enough blood from Calvary to cut off the power of sin in your life. There is enough blood from the presence of God to destroy the burden of sin in the name of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses and sins against them anymore. I am not here to accuse. I am not here to tell you you are a sinner. I am here to tell you about the Savior. I am here to tell you about the Redeemer. And I'm here to tell you, you can walk away from sin. You can walk away from that habit. You can walk away from that anger. You can walk away from that offense. You can walk away from that hate. You can walk away from that animosity that fills your spirit. You can return to God and God will return to you. Say amen. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. John chapter 3 verse 17. But that the world through him might be saved. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But that the world through him might be saved. And that's why God says, the moment you turn your back on the world, I have turned my back towards, I have turned my back towards everything else and my face is towards you. The moment you turn your back on the world, the moment you begin your march towards my presence, I am ready for you. The moment you turn back and you start coming home, I am ready for you. The moment you are ready for me, I am ready for you. So the Lord says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. 30 times in the Bible it says, return and come back to me. On the day of Pentecost, Peter stood and cried out over the people over the crowd said, repent and be converted that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent. Change the way you think. Change the way you operate.
Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19, says, Return, and I will restore you. How many of you will bear witness to the fact that you've lost opportunities spiritually? You lost assignments. You lost time. You wasted years. I can tell you, you don't have all the time in the world. Today's a good day for you to come back. Today's a day to return. Today's a day for you to jettison your habits, sexual sins, pornographic habits, lying, cheating, manipulating, hyperbole, the hyperbole of life, posturing, appearing like what you're not is a sin. Lying to people is a sin. Deceiving people is a sin. You work in an organization. Do you steal work days? It's a sin. Do you steal from your bosses? It's a sin. Do you, do you, are you loyal? Disloyalty is a sin. <laughs> do you know, like disloyalty, the, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, that nothing is as bad as a friend who can snitch. Can I tell you guys something? Many of the things we think are okay in society today are not okay. I just mentioned earlier, someone looked at the camera and said, I was so sad, I was so lonely. That's why I got into entanglement. He didn't say, that's why I cheated, that's why I slept with someone else. Because then it will look bad. When you, when you make your sin appear nice, it becomes wicked. It becomes evil. God offers you an invitation this morning. Do you want to come back home? It's time. It's time for you to walk away from what your life was about and to focus back on the treasures God has in store for you. God did not ask you to come back just because, just because, he asked you to come back because he has something for you. He has something for you. He has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. Let's pray together this morning. God did not just ask you to come back because he's a masochist, a sad man who's trying to make everyone sad. God did not ask you to purify yourself and cleanse your life just because he's a sad God. No, he has big treasures for you. He has treasures of wealth for you. He has treasures of silver for you, but much more. He has treasures of eternal life for you. There is a life bigger than the life that you've ever tasted. There is another life. And if you're a believer still falling in and out of sin, there is another life. And if you're a broken man, still rising and falling, there is another life. There is a place of victory. There is a place of power. And if you don't know where you stand as a sinner today, let me bring the invitation of Christ to you. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Return. Return. Return to the Father, and He will return to you. Return to the Father, and He will return to you. It is time. 
It's an old song that says, Come, coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Open wide the arms of love, Lord, I'm coming home. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sing it. There is wonderful, there's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, there is power, power, wonder working the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. God's power is available. God's healing is available return to me come back to me and I'll come back to you I want to speak to an old Christian you've been a Christian for a long time but you don't really know God you backslided you left your first love the Bible speaks about that in Revelation chapter 2 he said you've left your first love nevertheless I counsel of you to return to me and I return to you let's say a prayer this morning Say after me, Lord, I return to you. Say, Lord, I'm coming back. Say it like a minute. Say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to your heart. I'm coming back to your spirit. I'm coming back to freshness. I'm walking away from the world. I'm walking away from brokenness. And I'm returning to you. I'm coming back to you coming back to you I'm coming back to you I'm coming back to you your forgiveness sweet, sweet honey of my lips yes it's like sound of symphony to my like holy water on my skin. Let's sing it again. Your forgiveness. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of symphony to my you something so beautiful better than the dirty life of sin better than the dirty life of compromise God wants to offer you beauty for ashes he wants to bring out newness out of an old place God wants to break the barriers of emotional trauma around you and the way he does it is when you return to God 
Some of you have entangled yourself even with spirituality and you don't hear the voice of God again. Come back to the fresh old way, the basic way of confessing that God, I haven't been perfect towards you. God, I've fallen short of your standard. Every time you don't feel freshness, repent again. Every time you don't feel like you are connected to God, repent again. The way to come back, if there's a problem with you, it's not a problem with God. It's a problem with you. God doesn't have second mind. God doesn't think twice about giving you his forgiveness. God doesn't change his ways. His forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey. One more time. Your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like sound of symphonies in my ears. It's like holy Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 